Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Who may abide? Who may dwell in the tabernacle of the Lord, in the holy hill? Oh, God, let us be a resting place for you. Lord, let it be a resting place within our spirit, man, that you make your residence 100%, 24-7, day and night and night and day. Within us, Lord, within us, Lord, within us, Lord. Yes, Lord, day and night, night and day. Become that resting place within us, God. That we walk in rest. That we walk in peace. We don't walk in anxiety. We don't walk in fear. We walk in rest. We walk in peace. We walk in the rest of the Lord, in the peace of the Lord, with the Shekinah glory all around us. Hallelujah. With the fire of God coming forth out of us. We are anointed by the living God to do great exploits for the king and the kingdom. We are literally anointed. You are anointed by the living God to do great and marvelous things that you do not even know of today. You may know some of them, but you don't know all of them. You are anointed of God to tear down strongholds. You are anointed of God to break through barriers. You are anointed of God to break those chains. You are anointed of God. Do you hear me? You're anointed of God to bring the blessing to someone else. You're anointed of God to go and pray, pray for the sick and see them recover. You're anointed of God to break strongholds, even those that they didn't even know were present. You're anointed of God. So we will be that resting place. In the resting place, God can do his work. In the resting place, meaning that we know that we carry the spirit of God, his Shekinah glory. We know that we, as we do this, because we please God, that there are miracles abound everywhere we go. You are a people that miracles will abound everywhere you go in your life, but also in the lives of those that God entrusts for you to minister to. In Psalm 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, Lord, this is a prayer, a Psalm of David. This is a prayer, a song. He says, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle. There is no other place I want to abide other than in his tabernacle, in your tabernacle, Lord. He says, who may dwell in your holy hill? There is no other hill, no other mountain, no other place that I would want to be other than, Lord, by in your holy hill, to dwell in your holy hill. This is a question that David asked. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Verse 2 begins the answer. He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. In your heart. Don't let your heart deceive you. Who may abide? Who may tabernacle? In, in, in verse 2, he who walks uprightly and works, right, and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart in his heart out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks in your heart let your heart be one that is molded that's Matthew 12 34 out of the abundance of your heart the mouth speaks Lord we want our heart to please you we want our heart to be aligned with you we want our heart to give you the praise when our hearts are molded after you Jesus then everything that comes forth out of our mouths will will qualify us to be that which can dwell in the holy place, dwell on the mountain of God, like Moses did. Just because believers say, I'm a Christian, does not mean they're all dwelling with Christ. 
To dwell means I lay aside every tactic of the enemy. To dwell means I lay aside every, every yoke, every sin. I, I lay aside every distraction. To dwell means I'm fully committed 100%, no matter what. It's a choice that starts. It's a choice. It's a think, want that, but then it also becomes a heartfelt response. Believers, we are promised something. When we really truly dwell with the maker, our maker, when we dwell with him, I want, I want you to see this, okay? Verse 2 is the answer to question, to the question, which is in verse 1. Do you all see that? Okay. So if verse 1 is the question, who may abide in your tabernacle, who may dwell in your holy hill? And then we say in verse 2, the answer, who is able to, but the one that has got truth in his heart. And then it goes on and says, not this person, not the, not the one that backbites, not the one that is evil and slandering and, you know, is a, takes up a reproach against his friend, which means, an, you know, an offense, right? Not one that is, not one that is, is uh, uh, whose eyes, they're a vile person, you know, they're despised, but the one who fears the Lord, I'm on verse 4, the one who fears the Lord, the one who swears by his own hurt, you know, not one that puts out, his money at usury, lending at very high rates. Not one that takes a bribe against the innocent. But look at the very end. Look at the last verse in this psalm. It's the very last uh, portion of verse 5. He who dwells, I'm sorry, he who does these things shall never be moved. So then the promise is, is, is that if you do this, you shall never be moved. So you will not be moved You'll be able to abide in the tabernacle, dwell in the holy hill of God when your heart gives him praise. You will not be moved when sudden destruction comes. You will not be moved when there is, uh, you know, pestilence and when there, there, there are all manner of oppositions coming against you. You will not be moved. This truth can be backed up throughout the whole Bible consistently. When we look at Psalm 16, same thing. Because you have fixed your eyes upon him. You're not going to be shaken. Let's, let's just turn quickly to Psalm 16. And it says in verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. If you set the Lord always before yourself, before your eyes, you shall not be moved. Right? Let's back up verse 5, Psalm 16. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. You don't have to try to maintain anything God's given you. I mean, we work, we do our due diligence, right? Of course. But you don't need to strive. You, that's what I'm referring to. You don't need to strive in the kingdom. You don't need to strive to hang on to something. You don't need to have, because that's works of the flesh, you, O Lord, are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. He does it. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. What did he just say? Yes, I have a good inheritance. What do you have? Yes, you have a good inheritance. Say it over yourselves. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Verse 6, it says, yes, I have a good inheritance. Verse 7 says, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart, there it goes again, my heart also instructs me in the night seasons. Even in the night seasons, 
the, your, your heart, when it's seasoned with the word of God, will instruct you. And then it says in verse 8, I have set. See, there's a, there's, an, there's a responsibility. I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my, and my, and I glor and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also rest in hope. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Uh, let's go back to Psalm 15. Lord, verse 1, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. Speaks truth in his heart. We know that out of the heart flow the issues of life. That is from Proverbs 4, 23 and 24. Out of the heart, out of your heart, it's going to flow issues, the issues of life. We want to cleanse the heart. We want to heal the heart, right? As we heal the heart, then out of the abundance of, out of, the abundance of our heart, our mouth is going to speak, but it's going to speak of good things. As we speak of good things, we realize that no matter what, I sh we shall not be moved. Because we partner with truth instead of partnering with a lie, right? And in John 7, 38, it says, out of the heart or out of the belly flow rivers of living water. We will be those that are going to flow with rivers of living water because we are carriers of God's kingdom. So we're going to flow with rivers. Say, I flow with the river of living water. Oh, that river, river is flowing all right. It's flowing all right, church. It's flowing. Turn, turn your, your Bibles to Psalms 24 and verse 3. I'm going to start in verse 3. Because in verse 3 it says, who may ascend? There's a familiar thread here that's going through the scriptures that I'm reading today. Who may ascend? Again, a psalm of David. I love the psalms. How many of you love the psalms? I mean, just David pouring out his heart or, or you know, the, the author pouring out his heart. They were not all written by David, but the majority of them were. It says, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? Do you ever wonder, do you ever ask yourself that? Well, we should. We should. You, you do? That's good. We should. You know why? Because the minute you think that you have arrived perfection and you've got it now is the minute that you go downhill. The minute that you think, oh, I'm a worshiper. I lead worship. I bring people into the throne. Oh, my goodness. Sit down, Junior, because you're bringing everybody into pride. You're bringing everybody into your self-exaltation. That's dangerous. So always, Lord, what... What do I, what do, you, what do you need to do? What do I need to lay down? Search my heart, oh God. Search my heart, always, always. Who may enter his holy place? I love that because, Father, we are growing in revelation. And as we grow in revelation, the things that grieve me today are probably different than the things that grieved me yesterday. In other words, some things you may have been okay with the yesterdays of your life. I'm not talking like the obvious things, but just subtle things, subtle, the subtleties. Some things may have, you may have not even noticed, but today it brings a grieving in your heart. You go, how did this happen? How did this happen? Well, how it's happened is because you have chosen to position yourself in the presence and the holiness of the Lord your God. And because of the continual dwelling God starts to stir up within you a change wherever change was needed. And he starts to pull you into the purity of his heart. Because, see, we can dwell in the presence, quote, unquote, of the Lord. 
but that presence isn't the fullness of his presence yet, not because he is lacking, but because we are. Because when there's too much selfishness or pride or, you know, your own things, well, then you're blocking the purity and the beauty of everything that is available. It's available to us, but sin keeps you from it. You see what I'm saying? Like people think, oh, they can walk in jealousy. They can walk in, you know, whatever, slander. And they think that, but when they get to church, they're just going to praise and they're just going to lift their hands up and they're going to just, you know, try to get to that intimacy and just be quiet and still and think, oh, God's presence is so sweet. And it is sweet, but you're only tasting a little because you need to cleanse that heart on a daily basis. You need to let God touch that heart and cleanse that heart on a daily basis because what you think is so beautiful and pure, and it is beautiful, but it's not truly pure. Oh, I guess I'm stepping on some toes. I don't know if I'm stepping on toes or you're just like, yes, thank you. But the thing is, the thing is this, you guys. If David in this psalm says, who may enter into his holy place, we have to understand we're all created in the, in the image and the likeness of God, but some are denied full access. Mm, now people are arguing, what is she talking about? Some are denied full access, and others are, are granted complete access. And if you think that's not true, then you know what? There's still too much flesh in you. That's why you're in denial. That's why you don't receive. That's why you don't understand. Because what is to dwell? Let's go back to Psalm 15. Keep your, keep your finger on Psalm 24. Uh, when I was studying for this message... I really felt the presence of the Lord to really get this out. And so, Father, I submit myself to you, and I thank you, Lord God, that you will speak, and it will be heard, and it will be received, because we're not okay with a level of Christianity that most think is okay. We want everything. We want to completely die to anything and everything that limits true love. We want to completely, Lord God, literally, completely walk in the holiness of the Lord. And I believe that is your heart. So therefore, I believe there's a way to do it. I believe it's possible. It's possible. So let's go back to Psalm 15 where he's talking about dwelling. Verse 1. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Beautiful question to ask. Ask those questions when you're in your personal time, quiet time with the Lord. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell, dwell in your holy hill? To dwell is to settle down. Let the word of the Lord sink into your spirit right now. It's to settle down. There is no striving in dwelling. It's to settle down. It's to be completely at peace with the lover of your soul, knowing that he is working all things together for your good. He's working it out. To dwell is to settle down. It means to abide. It means to remain. It's, it means to stay. It means to tabernacle. There are many words we can use to define it. But the word that God highlighted for me to mention it to and to highlight today is to settle down. We must settle down in his presence. We must settle down in his holy hill. We must settle down and let God be God and let God do what he wants to do. Let God pull out whatever he wants to pull out. Let God reveal whatever he wants to reveal. And let God put in whatever he wants to put in. Because I want, I'm, I'm going after him. We are going after him. And there cannot be these little areas that keep us from the fullness of abiding with him and us thinking that we are. In other words, I don't want to deceive myself. I don't want to be deceived. 
I know of many Christians that don't dwell, but think they do. Oh, yeah, the peace of God, you know, resting in his presence. Oh, yes, you know what I mean? Oh, yes, they'll, they'll, they'll say all kinds of things. You know, he who dwells in the secret place shall abide, come on, under the shall, shall, shadow of the, of the most high. No, but you're not dwelling and you're not really resting. And we all, we all need to move closer and more into that, right? But you, you won't if you're, if you're not stopping to think about it. So when we stop to think about this and we go, Lord, because I love you, I'm asking you search this heart, search my heart, and completely take what is not of you, any attitude, any thought, any old pattern of thinking. I just want to please you. So, Lord, the minute I think that's good, man, I'm healed. I'm so healed I don't need to pray that way anymore. That's when everything starts to go south. So we don't want that. We want to be sensitive to the Lord always. So why? Because he says you're not going to be moved. Have, have you ever been moved? I guess that's the question to ask. Are you ever moved? Is any, has anybody in this church or listening online honestly, can they honestly say to me, you have never been moved in anything in your life in the past year? I don't believe there's anybody that can answer that question. I believe every single one of us can say, oh, no, there were times. Uh, maybe I wasn't moved as much as I was moved, you know, a few years ago. Praise God, there's growth. But I think everybody can honestly answer that question as, oh, yeah, I've been moved. So, therefore, there's room for growth for everyone, for everyone, right? And so but what we should be able to say also is, you know, there are times, that's true. But, I, but what I've, I've seen is that I quickly, quickly, quickly go into the secret place of the most high God. There is there's definitely a growth that's happening. There should be that. That needs to be our response. That should be our response, right? And if it's not, Lord, say, Lord, teach me. So that does become my response. So that now, you know, a year from now, I can say, you know what? The moving, the shifting, the fear, you know, the, you know, the fear, all that is lessening. I can see even when, when you know, pestilence and, you know, uh, reports of this and that that come about, you know, I'm more secure, I'm more stable, I'm more fixed, or I get there quicker. I get there quicker. Praise God. So there's room, there's growth, there's room for growth, but there is also growth in every one of us. And so we rejoice in that. So to dwell, the definition that I'm focusing on is to settle down. Settle down in his presence. Settle down in the peace of God. Settle down in the promises of God. Let's settle down. Let's settle down. When I choose to settle myself down, I choose to allow God to pour in. Because if I don't choose to settle myself down, I'm working against God. He's trying to pour in, but I'm working against him. He's pouring in and everything is spilling out. It's not, it's not, it's not being absorbed. He's pouring in his goodness, but I'm so focused on the anxiety. But what if and how come and how long? And then therefore, what he's trying to pour in, I'm not able to receive. <laughs> right? Yeah. So we don't want that anymore. We want, we want to grow. We want to, we want to grow. Let's go back to Psalm 24. Lord, we love your word. Absolutely love your word. Thank you for your word, Father. All right, Psalm 24. I read you verse 3. I'm going to start again, though, in verse 3. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? I believe we're going to all go before the Lord from this point on and ask him, Lord, who may stand before your holy place? Show me what I need to do. Verse 4. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and the righteousness from the God of his salvation. When you purpose 
yourself to walk with clean hands and a pure heart. You shall receive, verse 5. Read, read verse 5. It says, you shall receive blessing from the Lord. And we know the word really is plural. Right there, it's not, but, with a, but it's plural. It's understood as plural. You shall receive blessings from the Lord. The Lord is a great blesser and he wants to bless us. We know this. And he wants, he wants to bless his children. Oh, does he ever. Thank you, Father. And we will receive that blessing and those blessings as we say, Lord, search my heart. Who may, uh, who may dwell? Who may abide? Who may dwell in your holy hill, in your tabernacle? Let's Romans 8, 29 says, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed in the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. So he foreknew, he predestined, he conformed you into the image of his son. This is already done. This is something that's already happened. Yeah. Who you are is who, is who Christ called you to be, which is the image of Jesus. We are created. We were chosen. We were handpicked. It was already the thought of the Lord to, to pour himself into you. It was already his desire. Not everyone chooses. That's why some don't walk in this. Some don't receive salvation, right? It's not the will of God. I mean, it's God's desire that every single person, right, would receive salvation, but not everybody does. But for those that say, yes, he's chosen you. He's for, he, it's already, you were already on the mind of God even before you were born. Well, if we were already on the mind of God even before we were born, and if he's already chosen us, predestined us, right, called us, right, to carry the image of his son, image of Jesus, shouldn't it be something that we continually protect? What? His presence in us. Shouldn't we continually say, Lord, search my heart because I want to constantly give you that praise. You called me before. You didn't earn it, salvation. You didn't earn it. You didn't earn your identity in Christ. It was given. And it was given even before you were born. In other words, you were predestined. And for those that chose this free gift, they receive what was already done. So now, are you going to steward it well? Are you going to guard your heart? Are you going to be one that dwells in the glory of God? Because the glory of God lives on the inside of you. You are now the tabernacle of the Lord. You now, his tabernacle is literally within you. He is tabernacling within you. He literally lives within us. So we get to do this. No one has reached that perfect place of revelation. But I do believe that we are continually receiving more as we press in. And if we ask and if we do these things that I'm talking about here today, more is coming for each one. For the hungry heart. For the hungry heart. Let's go back to the Psalms. But I want Psalm 23. I want you to look at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This reminds me, I shall not be moved. I want you to see the similarities there. The correlation there. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now look at the last verse, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell 
in the house of the Lord forever. Let's go back to verse 1. And I don't want you to read the whole thing. I want you to read the first phrase. The Lord is my shepherd. Is the Lord your shepherd? If the Lord is your shepherd, then you will have verse 6. Then surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and you will dwell. You will dwell in the house of the Lord. If the Lord is truly your shepherd, you will dwell. If you are walking in verse 1, then you, verse 6 is promised unto you. If you're not walking in verse 1, verse 6 is actually not your portion. Not because he doesn't want you to have it, but because it's not evident. But I'm going to reread it because I think it needs to be. So look, the Lord is my shepherd. A shepherd's going to lead you. A shepherd, a shepherd is going to guide you. A shepherd is going to correct you. A shepherd is going to, you know, uh, look out, look after, right? The, the good shepherd, the greatest shepherd of all. Right? He prays for us. My goodness. Jesus praying. Constantly interceding. The good shepherd. For us. Not against us. If we understand. And then start to walk in divine revelation. And this is what it really needs to be. It needs to be divine revelation. Not just only head knowledge. We have a lot of head knowledge. And that falls short to the heart's response. We want the heart to respond, right? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Thank you, Lord God, the I am. He is the great I, I, I am. You are the great I am. I thank you, Lord God, the great I am. You gave your life for sheep. So the great I am, the good shepherd, who is our Lord, also says dwell. Dwell with me. Dwell in my house. I've made my house within you. I've made my house. I've made my temple, my, my tabernacle, my dwelling place within my created ones. I'm your shepherd. Dwell with me. If I'm your shepherd and you dwell with me, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of my life. Because the good shepherd doesn't take his eyes off of us. The good shepherd knows our needs. The good shepherd knows everything spoken and unspoken. He knows it all. So the good shepherd is always watching after his very own. He knew you before you were born. He already knew you. He already spoke eternity. He already, your, your calling, your, your, your identity, your salvation, it's already been set. So you're known, you're loved, and you're called by God. Let's go back to Psalm 16 and verse 11. He says, in your presence is the fullness of joy. Now, the whole, the whole scripture says, you will show me the path of life. Because the good shepherd does that. He shows us what we need to see. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The fullness of the joy that he gives us is because we're in his presence. So, therefore, when we're not fully in his presence, in other words, we're not paying attention to what's rightfully ours, we do not have the fullness of joy. And we even may have the fullness of fear, the fullness of anxiety, the fullness of everything else you can think of that's opposite of the joy that God promises in his, full, in his presence, right? I'm just going to read this to you in Ephesians 1.20. If you want to turn there, you can. Because Christ raised us up from the dead, and he seated him at his right hand and in the heavenly places. Okay, the scripture says that when, when God rose Jesus up from the dead, he, wrote, he placed him in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. When we say yes to Christ, we were raised from the dead. When we were raised from the dead spiritually, we were placed in the same position in the heavenly places. We're seated in the heavenly places next to our Lord, our Savior. 
So in Ephesians 1.20, first of all, let's read the whole scripture. He worked, it says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. We're talking about Jesus right here. This is talking about Jesus. Raised him from the dead and seated him where? At the right hand of God in the heavenly places. Where is Jesus? Yes, he's in your heart, but he is seated in the position of power. And But then look over to Ephesians 2.6. God raised us. He raised us up. He raised up the believers. You've been raised up. You've been raised up together. You've been raised up together and you have been made to sit. You have not been made to strive. You've been made to sit. You've been made to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace, you have been saved. My goodness. In Christ. Say it's in Christ. Ephesians 2, 6. In Christ Jesus. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I, you, we are seated at the right hand of God. He is our joy. We are his pleasure. Oh, go back to Psalm 16 and verse 11. We just identified that we're seated with him in the heavenly places, that his joy is found there, right? But I just said something here at the tail end. I said, he is my joy and I am his pleasure. Look at Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand, where are we seated? The right hand. Where are we seated? With Jesus, the right hand of God. At your right hand are pleasures. At your right hand are your people of which you take pleasure in forevermore. The Lord takes pleasure in you. He takes delight in you. So who may abide with him? Who may dwell in the holy tabernacle of the Lord? The one who keeps his heart right because you are the pleasure of the Lord. He is our joy, but for, for unto him it's like, but I see you as my pleasure. And he rejoices over us. Lord, let it go from their head to their heart and let it increase in revelation. Let's stop for a moment. Say, show, show me, Lord. Give me more revelation. Give me more insight. Because you are my joy. I know that it's in your presence that is the fullness of joy. But I'm your pleasure. You, you take pleasure in me? Yes, the Lord delights in his children. The good shepherd delights in his very own. He delights in you. When you know that you are the delight of your father, you act differently. Because you know you're loved. You know that you're not striving. You know that you're not competing. You know you're loved. And you know that the pleasure that God has for you is enough that you truly are his favorite one and that his eyes are truly upon you. And he's watching and he's taking care of his own because he's good.